The Resurrection Account from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, and beginning to read at verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped round Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. 
Thanks be to God. Whichever way you look at it, that I think is one of the most dramatic stories uh, in, in the whole Bible, that, that encounter of, of Jesus and Mary. I was wondering if we could have the, um, uh, the pictures up, please. Um, um, I'm going to show you three pictures that um, kind of try to encapsulate th this story. Uh, they're all from a, uh, around 500 years ago. The first one is in Florence. Um, you can still see it today in the convent of St. Mark. Um, and it's by Fra Angelico, about f 550 odd uh, years old. Um, if we can have the next slide, please. And in this one, it's this issue of where Jesus says to Mary, do not touch or do not hold on to me, might be a better translation. And in this, you can maybe just about make out that Jesus has the marks still of, of the nails in his hands and his feet. And throughout the painting, in the, in the ground around it, uh, are little red flowers that are, are meant to symbolize almost as if the blood of Jesus is, is scattering still across um, the ground. That the marks of the crucifixion are... are, are almost effectively watering the plants of, of, of that Christ's death is yielding new life. And it's that gap between Mary's outstretched hand and Jesus's outstretched hand. Do not touch. Do not hold on to me. Can we have the next one, please? This one, um, if you go to London, to the National Gallery, um, is by Titian, about 500 years old. And this painting um, is quite a special one. Um, during uh, the start of the Second World War, um, all of the paintings from the National Gallery were removed because of uh, the fear of bombing. And in 1942, at the darkest moments, really, of the war, uh, when the people were really starving, they, they held a, a pole. Um, not like Brexit, I hasten to add, but they held a poll to, um, to ask what one painting would you like back in the National Gallery? And they would um, bring back, just for a temporary period of three months, just one of the paintings. They would risk one painting at a time for the people to go and look at in the National Gallery. And this painting, if we can have the next one, was the first one that was chosen. This was deemed as, as the nation's favorite painting. A painting of hope, but is it more than that? Mary is there. Now, um, throughout um, art, whenever Mary Magdalene is, is presented, she's almost always wearing red, which apparently is a carnal color, um, because everyone seems to think that Mary was um, a, a lady of the night, um, only she wasn't. Um, and we keep on uh, misrepresenting her, and Christian artists have misrepresented her year after year after year. But she's always in red somewhere along the line in, in paintings, so you always know that it's Mary uh, when you see her. And here she's reaching out, she's, she's reaching out for Christ. And he is, is bending away from her. Now, actually, um, they've, um, they've x-rayed the painting. And um, Jesus, um, originally, uh, when it was painted, had a, a gardener's hat on. 
I don't know what a gardener's hat necessarily looks like, but uh, apparently he was wearing a gardener's hat and actually he was bending the other way um, and, um, and Titian repainted it so to create even more distance between the two of them. Do not touch, do not hold on to me. Can we have the next slide? There she is, she's desperate can you imagine what she must have been feeling in that story? She goes there early in the morning. There is absolutely no reason at all for her to have any hope whatsoever. She's seen him die on the cross. She knows that the Romans were highly efficient killers, that they knew what they were doing. She's going there a few days later. The body would probably have been, she would have been expecting it to, to hum rather a lot. If you think about it, quite hot weather, decaying flesh and so on. There was no reason at all for hope. And suddenly we see this shift from her, this transformation. Suddenly she's reaching out, that stretching out of faith. But Jesus still maintains that distance. This is not certainty. This is the start of what resurrection faith is. Not about bodies, but about the knowledge that Christ is alive today. He walks with me, he walks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. The resurrection faith, do not touch, do not hold on to me. It's that stage beyond, that, that slight distance that is there. The next painting, please. And there's the whole of the painting. And uh, Titian, when he paints it, he paints it rooted in his homeland. He was born in the, the area around Venice. And he's painting this as if it's a resurrection for his day. Not just something from 1,500 years before, but that the resurrection was happening amongst his own home people. So just as today for us, when we leave here... We're not remembering something of 2,000 years ago. We're going out there because we know that Christ is risen today here in Canterbury. This isn't an historical thing. This is a permanent thing. Christ is alive and he is risen today. The next one, please. And uh, there he is uh, uh, with his, uh, his gardening tools to, to prove that he was part of the everyday when Christ is risen, he, he comes not as uh, in, in glamour, he doesn't come in, in triumph. He comes as a traveller on the road, he comes as a guy lounging around on the beach, and he comes as a worker, a gardener of the everyday. Christ comes to us still every day in meekness and humility. Next one, please. And there it is rooted in the everyday land of, of his time. Next one. And then the final uh, painting that I want to show you is by Hans Holbein. And this is part of the, the Royal Collection um, and uh, gets displayed uh, only very occasionally. Um, now, it's a bit of an odd painting, I'm not going to lie to you. It looks a bit crouching tiger, hidden dragon in, in many respects. Um, I'm not quite sure why Jesus is adopting what looks like a, a kung fu pose there. But, uh, um, but um, and in the, uh, the background, you see two figures that are, are running away, and they look rather like a bearded uh, 
hair flick from uh, uh, a lower low and what can only be described as a rather camp art Garfunkel, if, uh, if you look closely at them. Um, apparently, that's actually Peter and John, who are full of joy and they're running back towards Jerusalem. Um, to the right of the painting, we have the empty tomb and there are two angels sat in there and they are uh, demonstrating the, the, the emptiness of the tomb that Christ has truly risen. To the left of the painting, silhouetted, we see Golgotha and the cross still looming over the whole scene. And Jesus and Mary are yet again that distance between the two of them. Do not touch me. Do not hold on to me. That space and that distance between the two of them. I think when we look at the translations, the better translation is not do not touch me. Because if we then look at the other story in John's Gospel where, where Jesus and Thomas have that whole discussion about touching and so on, that Jesus is willing for there to be some kind of, of human contact. But rather I think it's about the translation of do not hold on to me. Do not cling on to this yourself. Our faith is not just something for us. It is something for us to share with other people. And I'm going to use a word that occasionally some people get a bit worried about, and it's the word evangelism. But actually, it is something that we are called to do. Christ is alive, he is risen, alleluia. What are you going to do about it? Seriously, what are you going to do about it? Is, it? is it just something for you, for you to hold on to for yourself? Are you seriously saying that Christ is, is live and, and thanks God for all that you've done just for me and that's it? Or are we not going to just hold on to him ourselves, but rather be transformed in the same way that Mary was, from people of despair to people of hope, people who go and give that hope to other people? This is good news and it's too much a series of good news for us just to keep to ourselves. And it's far too good for us to keep imprisoned in the walls of the church. This is something for us to live out. Christ is risen. Alleluia. Do not hold on to it for yourselves. Live it out. Rejoice. Be people who offer hope to others. Share the good news. No, I don't mean that you have to go off and be weird and, and start singing Kumbaya badly and try and harass people into, into coming to church or into the kingdom. But live out your faith. Be people of joy and hope. Be transformed in the same way that Mary was. There was no reason for her to have hope on that first Easter Sunday. No reason at all. If you want an evidence of the resurrection, it's in the fact that she and those disciples had zero right to hope. And suddenly, here we are today as continued proof of the existence of the church, a resurrected Christ who lives through us, the body of Christ today. Do not hold on to it. This is good news, and it is worth sharing and it is worth celebrating. So this Easter tide, celebrate and share.
Amen. So we come to our prayers of 